Torah provides ways of addressing those sometimes troubling questions about ourselves and gives us ways to think about and to practice holiness. For people that expect the Torah to be, well, if it's revelation, it should be a perfect description of everything. We're not sort of utopian in that way. We are messianic in this sense, which is that this process of questioning, discussing spiritual practices we engage in and organizing our society in new ways is meant to bring that about is meant to bring about a perfection within society. That's our job. That's not the job for the Torah to just specify something we could not possibly do and expect it to be saintly utopian in that way. And so it gives us ways to talk about human nature, and some of them are trouble. And so one of it that comes up is the issue of ableism. comes up with regard to the priesthood. So you have the Kohanim, the priests who are kind of like doing the, the, sort of like the celebrities. They're the front of the show. They're doing the performances. They're also doing sort of pronunciations of healing. They're leading rituals. And then you have the greater group, which is the Levites. They're all the public servants that they're guards. They, They are the first responders. They're everyone that we would call sort of local municipal public servants. And they include actually teachers and musicians are paid for by taxes serving the community. But it does say disturbingly that the, a priest, especially, well, the priest who is doing sort of the front office, the public, the most front stage rituals should not have a blemish. Uh, they can do other kinds of things, let's say a deformity. And this sounds ableist. One of the things, if we want to just bring up for a moment, like, well, why would they even start with this? I'll tell you one aspect of this that is also a modern question. What people present to the priesthood for them to live on and the Levites to live on and which goes to the poor. The public offerings, which are a big part of this parsha, and all the ones around it. There's a great problem that the prophets are constantly telling us about. People don't bring the best of what they own in their offerings. They bring damaged produce. They bring damaged animals. And it is a massive problem. To think that we're above it today, well, if you're a huge thrift store connoisseur, like our family is, and we both give and we receive and recycle, the thrift stores, the, the, the Goodwills, the Salvation Armies, and the others, the PTOs, there are many of them are on the verge of going out of business. They're losing a lot of money because people wish cycle. They give them damaged goods, thinking poor people would be happy with just the damaged goods and figure out ways to fix them up. I don't need to figure out how to fix that air conditioner or that water or that purifier, but certainly, or ripped clothes, but certainly poor people would be happy to figure out how to sew them up. The problem that Torah is concerned about is a problem that's affecting our society very severely today. The problem of wish cycling, they don't have enough money to throw all of this out, right? It's just the money spent putting these things in the garbage. So Torah is concerned and they feel like things should look nice in the front show and things shouldn't look kind of damaged, so things have to look perfect. So people bring things that are more perfect. If we all knew how much produce is actually thrown out in this country, because it doesn't look pretty enough to sell in the supermarket, we would realize that these things permeate. So that there are ways in which the tradition tries to produce new solutions and pile on solutions and expand inclusion. In Mishnah Yoma, they try to bring up this issue of, okay, we have to address the blemishes of the priest. And they say the following, the sages provided the high priest with elders selected from the elders of the court. And they would read before him the order of the service on the day of Yom Kippur. 
And they would say to him, my master, high priest, read the order of the service with your own mouth, as perhaps you forgot this reading, or perhaps you did not learn to read. So they're bringing up an issue, which is that who got elected high priest or appointed high priest was done through corruption. These are people who had connections and they had money or they had political connections. Races, human problem we have today. We are becoming more and more aware of the issues of privilege and race. And I sometimes think we're not paying close enough attention to privilege that comes from money and privilege that comes from connections. And as we see in the tribalism around us, the privilege that comes from which political group is in power and you have an in with them, as the rabbis say, at the expense of the truth. The commentator of the Mishnah Barton Ora brings up this issue. So now what we need is someone who's giving them the lines because they don't even know what to do. Someone's got to give the priest the lines because it's so corrupt that they don't, they're not even properly trained. And he writes, during Second Temple times, it was, not, it was necessary for this, as they would appoint high priests who were not honest on the basis of the three things I said. Whereas during the first temple times, they would not appoint a high priest other than someone who is the greatest among the priests in wisdom, beauty, strength, and riches. And if he did not have these, his brethren among the priests would raise him up from their own. As it states in Leviticus 21, the priest, who, the priest is one who is exalted above his fellows. And this means greatness comes from your fellows lifting you up. So he said the way it should have been done in the golden age, the way it was done, was there would be a vote. And you know where greatness came from? It came from the priests getting together and finding the one who may not have been the one. It, it's supposed to be a position. It's like homecoming king or queen, right? The one who is most wit-wise, beautiful, strong, and uh, rich. I mean, uh, looks amazing, right? So they would take the least among them, raise them up, dress them up, prepare them. And they would go on exalted from their fellows. And so I share one happy story from this week that shows the way this can happen and happens today. You may have seen the story, which I think is amazing about Rollins College valedictorian Elizabeth Bonker, who was um, one of five people in Rollins College who was um, qualified to be valedictorian because of their grades. And so the five valedictorians had to take a vote. Who would be the only valedictorian and speak? And they voted for Elizabeth Bonker. She's affected by non-speaking autism. So she communicates by typing. And at the graduation ceremony in Florida on May 8th, she used a text-to-speech computer program to deliver her address, where she urged her fellow graduates to remember that, quote, life is for service, as Rachel said in her speech. She said, God gave you a voice, so use it. She received a degree in social innovation, and she said to the 529 students of her class, and know the irony of a non-speaking autistic encouraging you to use your voice is not lost on me. Because if you can see the worth in me, then you can see the worth in everyone you meet. This message has resonated across the country. 
She told, she told the reporters, this commencement address was so important to me, I worked on it for months. And she answered questions of reporters by typing with one figure. finger. She said she has been overwhelmed with gratitude. She exhorted her faculty administrators and staff and the students. She thanked them in gratitude for feeding our brains and nurturing our souls. And it was her, thanked her fellow valedictorians who unanimously elected her to deliver the commencement speech. She acknowledged the approximately 31 million non-speaking autistic people worldwide and estimated 40% of autistic people are non-speaking, according to Autism Speaks. She typed the speech with one finger with a communication partner holding it. And she said, I'm one of the lucky few non-speaking autistics who've been taught to type. It's unlocked my mind enabling me to communicate and be educated like my hero, Helen Keller. She said, my life mission is dedicated to gaining communication for all the other 31 million non-speakers with autism worldwide. Our greatness comes from how we lift each other up. We have great room in the future to do it. May the Torah and our tradition remind us that human nature is eternal. We are not above the problems of the past. We have been offered ways of thinking and solutions to guide us. And we are called to provide new solutions of our own to add to the wisdom of our ancestors. Shabbat Shalom.